but right now we're going to be continuing our study um, through our Life Together series. We're talking about life together as this general broad concept. It's really all of our relationships that we're in. Um, God is, is, is a very relational God, and he's called his people to commune together, to be in community together. And community together is beautiful and wonderful when it's going right, but man, it sucks when it's going wrong. Um, and so we're, we're trying to figure out what it is God is calling us to in life together, but then also trying to look at the New Testament epistles, uh, which is a fancy word for letters, that were written from people who were apostles or people who were, were given um, inspiration by the Spirit to write to communities and, and help them with their life together practices. And so that's what we've been doing. Um, we're going to be in 1 Peter 2, if you want to grab a Bible and turn there. On the screen, it'll be ESV, but I'm going with the old Pew Bible here, which is NIV, so in case there, you notice the difference there. Um, also, if, you're, if, you're, if you have an ability to take notes, that'd probably help today, because we're actually going to go through eight different points, which is the worst thing a preacher can do. You're like, you get two or three points, no more, but I'm, I'm going for eight today. Yeah, yeah, because your life together is no good. You need all eight. No. Um, anyways, uh, we are going to be looking at diversity in God's family. That's one of the aspects of life together that can be extra tricky. Um, for those of you who know what I'm talking about, this could potentially be um, a, a New Testament DEI training. People laughed a lot in second service, so I was waiting for the laugh, but um, you don't have to laugh. It's cool. I don't, I don't need man's approval for what I'm doing today. It's fine, it's fine, no. Um, but yeah, it's, it has to do with diversity, it has to do with equity, it has to do with inclusion, all of those things. Um, we're gonna be looking at First Peter 2. Peter is a qualified guide on this topic for a number of reasons. Uh, first reason is Peter actually walked with Jesus in the flesh. He got to watch what it looked like for God in the flesh to do life together. He got to hear Jesus' voice as Jesus was teaching about how Peter and the other apostles and disciples and followers of Christ were to do life together. And he watched Jesus defy Jewish traditions and norms by loving and serving and honoring non-Jewish people, even above Jewish people sometimes, which was a <gasps> big shock and, and a gasp for everybody at that time. He also, Peter, watched Jesus suffer greatly at the hands of other religious and ethnic tribes, but Jesus did not respond in violence or disrespect. There was a time in, in, in Jesus' life where he was being arrested, uh, wrongfully arrested, <clears throat> right before the cross, and Peter was there, and Peter pulled out a sword, and he chopped off a guy's ear. And Jesus said, Peter, stop. Peter, you're getting it wrong again. And he picked up the ear and he put it back on the guy's head and it healed up. And Peter got to see that happen in that moment and what it did to his life and transforming him. Um, another situation that Peter went through was this is after Jesus was gone and, and Peter was trying to figure out what the Spirit of God was asking him to do. And he was, he was hanging out on a rooftop one time when he fell into a sleep or a trance of some sort, and it said this vision came down, and on this big, huge blanket, there were all these unclean animals, unclean to someone who has grown up a good Jewish boy. And, uh, 
And, when, and then he heard a voice cry out and said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, no, 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 Lord, I would never let anything like that touch my lips. And then the voice rung out again, Peter, you're getting it wrong again. It didn't really say that, but that was, that was the message. It said, don't call unclean what I have made clean. And immediately he awoke, immediately there was a knock at his door, and then he followed these guys to this Roman household, a guy named Cornelius, and he walked into this household, and there were a whole bunch of Gentiles. And for a good Jewish boy, this was totally out of bounds. He would be unclean now for even going into their home, and yet he knew the Spirit of God was up to something, so he goes into this situation, and they want to hear about Jesus. He starts telling them about Jesus right in the middle of his message. It says that they started speaking in tongues because they were baptized in the Spirit of Jesus, and they were praising God. And Peter realized that God was doing something very different than what he thought God was doing. And all of his prejudices, all of his biases, all of those things begin to melt away as the Spirit of God began to do a work in his life and give him a vision for what God was really after. Peter struggled with diversity in God's plan. Peter had a real hard time breaking free of the prejudices of the Jewish roots that he grew up in. Um, at one point, uh, Paul the Apostle, who wrote a bunch of the New Testament epistles that we've looked at to help us do life together, he came to Peter and he said, Peter, and he rebuked Peter because Peter was favoring the Jews over the Gentiles in a situation. And Peter received that rebuke. Um, Peter also um, is a good guide because his first epistle, this one that we're reading, is written to the Greco-Roman world of Asia Minor. And the language he uses is abundantly clear that Jesus had done an amazing work um, in his heart and, and, and giving him a new perspective. Uh, let's read 1 Peter 2, uh, 9 through 10. It says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now, how many people were raised in a Jewish context here? Seriously? That's interesting. Um, this language right here is dripping, dripping, saturated with, with Jewishness. I mean, these phrases would jump out of the page. Basically, Peter, what he is writing here is so intense. It would be so offensive to someone who was raised in the traditions of Judaism, to hear Peter, a Jew, calling people in the Gentile world a chosen people. No, 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 no. That's the language we reserve for the Jews. And he's saying, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's special possession. For Peter to be able to say that meant so much work had been done in his life. So much change had come. And then the big kicker is verse 10, which alludes back to Hosea, which we unpacked not too long ago. And he says, once you were not my people, lo a me, 
in the Hebrew. But now you are the people of God. Once you did not receive mercy, but now you have received mercy. Basically what he was saying is, you Gentiles, I see you now. I see you differently than I used to see you because of what Jesus has done in my life. I see that you belong. I see that you are not just some kind of back thought. You're not some Harry Potter under the stairwell. Anyone? 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 Must be an older crowd in here. I don't know. Um, You're not just some stepchild. You're not some foster kid that we've just let in, but you have to stay out there. No, you are all the way in. You are co-heirs. You are sons. You are daughters. And this is where the language of Paul comes in. You are grafted in. You're no longer just something out there. You're actually a branch that now has its own roots in everything God has ever given or promised. And in Christ Jesus, every promise God has ever made to any person is yes and amen. And I know this is not having its full impact on us because no one was raised in a Jewish context here. But just imagine for me, if you would, um, what Peter is doing here. And it's proof that God has really helped Peter understand what he's after. Revelation 5, 9 gives us a picture of what God is after. In the end, what God is really trying to do is he's seeking to build a family made up of every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. That's God's dream. That's been God's plan from the beginning. And it's all done through Christ Jesus. There is not a religion more diverse than Christianity. Not only with a more diverse vision, but a more diverse reality for centuries and millennia than Christianity. Do some sociology studies if you don't believe me. And there's this lie out there that is trying to say that Christianity is a white person religion. Or Christianity is a Western religion. The people who are saying that are either just so immensely naive or they're actually lying for a reason. And either way, they cannot be listened to because there is no truth in it all what they're saying. Even today, there is a decline in the white or the Western version of Christianity, statistically speaking, but it is exploding in all the other areas of the world. Because it is not a white religion or a Western religion. It never has been and never will be. That's not God's plan. You with me? All right. So now that we kind of get a glimpse at the diversity and the beauty, we also know that it comes with great challenges because we don't all have the same color skin. We don't all have the same backgrounds. So there is challenges as we knit our lives together. But What we're going to look at now is Peter's prescription, um, Peter's uh, guide to how we can can navigate some of these challenges. And and he says, first of all, in 1 Peter 2.12, that we need to live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. If we can get what Peter says right, what it's going to produce is such a goodness such a beauty in our life together that those around us, even if they hate us, will at least be able to say, there's something beautiful there. There's something good there. And that's the goal of our lives, so that ultimately people may glorify God on their own. 
We're going to look at verse 11 through 17. And in verse 11 through 17, we get eight imperatives. I'll, I'll clarify, Dan. Don't worry. Don't worry. Um, we're going to get eight basically commands, eight statements that Peter is giving to the people he's writing to saying, follow these things. And thanks to Dan Riccio, who's so smart and so helpful. Um, it's actually not eight imperatives. It's six imperatives. The first one is actually an infinitive in the Greek, but acts as an imperative. So I was like, can I still say imperative? He's like, eh, maybe. But he's so it's an infinitive that acts like an imperative. Then it's imperative, 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 imperative. imperative. And then the last one is actually not an imperative. Um, it's softened to more of an encouragement. And you'll understand why when we get to number eight. So you ready for all eight? Sound like you're only ready for about six of them. You want all eight? Yeah, yeah you want all eight? <laughs> Work them into a frenzy. Um, all right, we're going to go for all eight. And, uh, and, uh, and yeah, they're all from this passage, 11 through 17. Actually, the last one comes after that, but I'll explain that in a minute. First uh, Peter chapter 2. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and honor the emperor. And then after that, we have one more that we're going to add to the list. And it's basically suffer really beautifully. When you suffer, do it in a beautiful way. And uh, so these eight things, if you're taking notes, again, this is a good, good time to take notes if you're, if you're able to do that. Um, these eight things. First of all, abstain from sinful desires. Uh, submit yourselves to every human authority. Live as free people. Show respect to everyone. Everyone. There are some losers out there. Um, love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. What? Suffer for, suffer for doing good and endure it well. Um, these are Peter's prescription for how we can produce the kind of good in our world that will overcome the darkness and evil in our world. So, um, just real quick, at the end of first service, a lady came up to me and she said, man, that last one really hit me. And I said, you only got hit by one of them? <laughs> what kind of life are you living? So anyways, just brace yourself. Um, Number one, abstain from sinful desires. If we're using 1 Peter to help us understand what he's thinking when he says sinful desires, I don't know where your mind goes when you hear that phrase, but in chapter 2, verse 1, where his mind goes is to deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. These would be sinful desires that we need to abstain from. And when you know a little bit about Peter, Peter was a mouthy fellow. He was known for blurting things out, being bold, maybe a little dramatic. 
At one point, Peter was, was saying to Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He blurted out, and Jesus was so surprised that he got something right that he said, Peter, that's amazing. Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my Father in heaven. And he was so glad that Peter blurted it out. And then, really, the next stanza in the scriptures, Peter, Jesus is explaining how he's gonna have to go to the cross, and Peter's like, no, Lord, you don't have to go to the cross. I'll never let that happen. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Because what was coming out of his mouth was not in line with what God was doing. And we know that, Pe that, that when, when, when uh, temptation came, Peter denied Jesus three times with his mouth, with his words. And ultimately, we know that Peter became a, a spokesperson for the first church and someone who spoke the gospel to many people and got to see many people filled with the Spirit of the Lord. So God was doing something with Peter's mouth. And so when he thought of uh, sinful desires, he knew that it had to do with his mouth. Deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. And the word slander stuck out to me because I just, I hear so many Christians these days just speaking ill of other people. And I think there's are a lot of Christians that are gaining a lot of notoriety or maybe even ma making a lot of money by, by talking trash about other people. And I just felt like the Lord really highlighted that for me. That's just not becoming to followers of Christ. We shouldn't be slandering people. Yes, we need to speak truth to lies. We need to speak out bold and clear. But, but we got to stop it before it starts being about a person. Because that's somebody God created and God loves, and we better be really careful how we're talking about him. There's a story in the book of Jude, which doesn't make any sense to me, some of it. It was where the angel, uh, archangel Michael and, and the devil were wrestling over Moses' body. Don't think about that. I know it's hard now because I said it. Don't think about that. But what it says is that the archangel Michael, even while he was fighting, wrestling over the body of Moses, never brought a slanderous word against the devil. It's like, that's the devil, man. But it's something to just speaking of how important it is, us as Christians, to just be so careful what comes out of our mouth. Out of our mouth comes life and death. And let's be people who create life and goodness because there's enough death and, and hate in this world. Another thing that he lists is living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. Again, you can pick whatever word stands out to you. For me, carousing was interesting, and it's basically referring to the indulging of our appetites. Our appetites aren't necessarily bad, but when we overindulge, it's like America. When we overindulge, we overdo it. There's something about Christians that we should be living at a little bit simpler life. And if we do that, then, then people will get to see the goodness that's there and they'll get to glorify a God in heaven. Another thing he says is that we should avoid wild and reckless living. We should not pursue dishonest gain. Greed is very unbecoming of followers of Christ. And I'm gonna throw this out there because I have daughters. But my wife does most of the work with, with my daughters and a lot of things. I have two dogs, and so they give me permission to kind of be over the dogs, and then she's over the girls. 
Um, they're boy dogs, that's why. But, but in here, Peter does, does say this, so I, I'm trying to be true to the scriptures here. He, he, he has a bit of an issue with, with when women have elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Now, if you have a life group, you can unpack that there. I don't want to unpack this with anyone, okay? I'm not, I don't, I'm just, there's some verses that if I'm doing just, I got to stick with it. I can't just pick and choose. So it's in there that there's something about that where Peter is saying that the life of a believer, if we get, if we do, do it right in the way that we do our hair and the way that we dress and even the jewelry that we wear, that there's something that of goodness even in that area. There's something different. There's something set apart. Believers should be a little different. And so next week, women, I want everybody wearing those long dresses. You know, no, I'm just kidding. I, you unpack this, you and the Spirit of God. But there's something that Peter is saying to the people at this point, saying, hey, this is important too. So pretend I never said that. Do whatever you want with that. Do not send me an email on that. You can send me an email on everything else in here. Because there's a lot of problems here. But that one, I'm just, there it is. Read your Bible. Sub, it gets, submit yourself to every human authority is the next one. These don't get easier, by the way. This is so anti-American, what he just said. I just lived in Ireland for a year, and they're good at submitting to authority. I am not. My wife is really not. <laughs> it's just not natural to her. Um, but, but he says that the reason, the way that we do this, our outlook, which brings this about, is we need to live as God's slaves. Ultimately, we are people under authority. And we believe that our God is sovereign, and so the authorities that he has put in our lives, there is a degree to which we have to understand that God has put them there. And there's a lot of things happening in America which I, I don't necessarily disagree with. A lot of suspicion, a lot of... Um, not trusting different authorities. And, and I get it. I, I don't necessarily say that's stupid or that. It, but we have to be careful as Christians at the same time. Because Peter is here writing in a very, very tough situation. But he's saying that he knows he should submit to authority. As he's watched Jesus live his life. As the Spirit has done this work in us. We need to learn how to submit to every human authority. And in there he talks about, and obviously there's a, there's a line at which, as long as they're not commanding against the commands of the Lord, that then at that point we would stick with the Lord's commands. But in here in 2.18, he says that um, slaves should submit to their, their masters. And I, I think obviously in that context it's a little different, but I, I think for us it'd be easy to shift that to employees should, should be really good employees, whether they have good bosses or bad bosses. <gasps> but my boss is a millennial. I don't, I don't know what your situation is. My boss is 30 years younger than me. I don't know. I didn't say your boss was good. He didn't say submit to every good authority. He just said submit to the human authority. And, and the reason is because if you do it in such a beautiful, good way, there's a chance they might see what's happening and their hearts would be turned. And they might glorify God and they might ask you, hey, what's going on? Could you help me know 
about this way of goodness, this way of Jesus. This is what we're called to do. Live, oh no, and then I, I, it also talks about wives and husbands in that regard too. Those are examples that he's given to human authority. Um, husbands submit to wives, wives submit to husbands, um, no matter if they're idiots or always wrong. Figure out how to do that in hopes that the goodness will produce something in their lives, will overcome the not goodness. Um, live as free people. Now we're getting back to America. It's like, yeah, we all about that individual liberty. Um, but, but he caveats that by saying, but don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. And basically what he's saying is, Jesus has given you freedom. Jesus has set us free. We do have this new um, experience that we've entered into. But don't use all that to serve yourselves. Use it to serve others. And I think it's safe here. Again, you can email me on this one. Um, I think it's safe here to use the word privilege. That's, that's an important word in diversity, equity, and inclusion. It is true that we have been given privileges. Some we've earned, and some people have, have earned for us. And, and the message would be, that's a good thing. That's a wonderful thing. Privilege is not a bad thing, but just make sure you don't use those privileges to only serve yourself. Use those privileges to lift other people as well. That's the way of Jesus. And then he says, show proper respect to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know my neighbor? Um, I, that, I was just speaking generally there. My neighbors are all so amazing. Um, and he unpacks this, I think, a little better in, in chapter 3, verse 8 through 9, where he says, Be like-minded, sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Um, any liberals out there? Any conservatives out there? I'm not even going to pause because someone might raise their hand and then it's over for all of us. Um, it's, there, are, there are such divisions in our nation that it is very hard to do what Peter is saying here, to show proper respect to everyone. But that's what he's saying. There's something about followers of Jesus that should look and feel and taste and smell a little different in the way that we interact with people that are hard for us to respect. And so he helps us. He says, be like-minded. Find things that you can have in common. It's real quiet in here right now. <laughs> Maybe we're all getting hit by this one. Be sympathetic. Sometimes our people are wrong and they don't know they're wrong. Love one another. We talked about in, in a message a while ago that loving one another, life together, is really all about carrying each other's burdens. And maybe that's what the Lord's calling you to do with this person. Maybe the most respectful thing you could do for them is, is not talk to them about their politics, but instead just find out where they're hurting and see if there's anything you can do to help. And see what kind of goodness is produced that may just turn their hearts to where they glorify God just the way you do. Be compassionate. Don't just be concerned. Let that concern grow into compassion. It's a very different thing. And be humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. 
Um, this is really hard stuff to do. Next one is love the family of believers. Now, I don't feel like this is a big challenge for us. I mean, even this Tuesday, I'm getting together with Pastor Brian at New City, Pastor Noe at North Phoenix, Pastor Tim at Phoenix Bible Church. I love these guys. They're awesome. And we, 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 there's a there's pretty good sense of ec- ecumenical stuff. I don't even know how to say that. Ecum- ecumenism? Nobody's helping me. They're like, we don't even know what you're talking about, man. No problem, no problem. It's, it's, there's just a pretty good brotherhood and sisterhood going on in the churches in Phoenix. I love it. But it's not been the case always. Churches can get territorial. They can be competitive. They can talk trash about each other. I, there's this one, there's a couple things on Netflix even where just one side of the church of followers of Christ are just trash talking the other side of the church. And, it, and, it's, and it's, it's, on, it's on minor stuff for the most part. It's not on majors. And I just think it looks gross. And so why would someone who's trying to figure out how to do life look at, look at Christians fighting and creating gross and want to actually say, oh yeah, look how good God is. No, it's got to be good. We got to love other believers. There are a lot of believers that have a different form and function. There's a different way that they worship, different way that they interact with the Lord. And yeah, there's majors and minors, and we, we got majors we got to really pay attention to. But, but on the minors, we should, we should learn to love the fellow believers, the family of believers that we have. Commune with them. Um, sometimes it might be really good. Don't tell the elders I said this. Maybe you should go to another church every once in a while. Just check it out. See if it kind of broadens some of what the Lord's doing in your life. Not very often, because this is the best one there is. But we can all learn something. And that takes us to fear God. Specifically, I think us non-denominationals, I didn't even say that right, I can't say any word right right now. Um, we, we are a little better, I think, at bringing God down to our level. And, and it's true that Jesus did do that. And a lot of our songs oftentimes talk about what God is doing for us or can do for us. And there's, there's some good to that. But, but sometimes I think our, our songs and our attitudes should, should get back to a place a little more of reverence. But guess what? God doesn't owe you anything. The way it says in one of the prophets, he says, God is in his holy temple. Let us all be silent. And so here, maybe we could learn something from mainline denominations, maybe Catholicism, and a little bit more understanding of reverence, of who God really is. The Jewish community could teach us a lot about reverence for God, respect, understanding who we are and who he is, because at the end of the day, we are dealing with almighty, all-powerful maker of heaven and earth. And it'd be good for us to remember that sometimes. So we need to be humble. Uh, Peter often uses sober-minded. We need to be sober-minded, I think, which is a good way of understanding fear of God. Um, don't take God's mercy and grace for granted. Don't be like a wide receiver or a defensive back and always just pointing to yourself all the time. <laughs> Anybody like football out there? No, everybody likes the Diamondbacks right now. Forget football. Cardinal who? D-backs. Yeah. Honor the emperor. See. 
Honor the emperor. We don't have an emperor, so let's go to the next one. No. <laughs> Honor the emperor. And then he says, and government, or, or even and the governors that they send. Um, so yes, we need to honor President Biden and honor Vice President Harris and honor Governor Hobbs. And for those of you who that's easy for, honor President Trump when he was president. Um, hmm. I'm just trying to see if I wrote anything good down here. <laughs> just keep reading. Just keep reading. Um, we're called to honor as Peter watched Jesus live his life. He saw Jesus honor the emperor. As Jesus wrestled with the Spirit of God in his own life, he knew very clearly that the Spirit of God was asking him to honor the emperor. Yeah, but he didn't know the presidents we have these days in America. You're right, he didn't. But the one he's talking about is a guy named Nero. And Nero was emperor when Peter was writing this. And Nero was the guy that commanded for most of Peter's friends to be killed. Brutally. Beheaded. The other disciples, the other apostles, except for John, they were all killed in horrific ways. And it's not too much longer where Nero himself gives the order to have Peter crucified. Oh, you want to follow Jesus? Let's put you on a cross. It's the kind of sickness that was in Nero's heart. And under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Peter writes to this, this group of people that they need to honor the emperor. And we Christians, we need to honor We need to be good at honor. And sometimes that might mean you just shut your mouth. Because it's hard. That one's, that one's right there. It's just out there. Let's go to the next one. <laughs> um, and then the last, the last point is suffer for doing good and endure it well. Peter says, if you suffer for doing bad, you're an idiot. But if you suffer for doing good, you're producing a beauty. You're producing a goodness that is more powerful than any evil in our world. I want to read this little quote to you real quick. It comes from a Jewish prayer book. And it says this, the good... God produces, will win. It will win over all the darkness, over all the wrongs we have done. We will look back at the pages of written history and be amazed. And then we will laugh and sing in the good that is in us. Children in their cradles will have won. Our hearts beat with certainty that there is a day and an hour and a mountain called Zion. And that all of the sufferings will gather there and become song ringing out into every corner of the earth from end to end, and the nations will hear it, and like the caravans in the desert, will all to that morning throng. 
It's not only that we're supposed to produce good so we can experience it, but if we don't produce the kind of good that God wants us to produce, then evil wins. What God is doing through his people on the earth is he's producing beauty, he's producing good that can overcome the darkness. It's like what Martin Luther King said. Darkness can't drive out darkness, only light can. And hate can't drive out hate, only love can. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to live such good lives. Lives that are just dripping with goodness. Among the pagans. That they may see the good works and glorify God in the heaven on the day that he visits. And we can do it. Not in our own strength. We can do it because we have each other. We need each other. We can also do it because Jesus gave his spirit to us to empower us. So we're going to take just a moment now. We're going to pray in the spirit. It's a biblical phrase, and I know it can mean a lot of weird things, but don't worry. It's not going to be weird. We're just going to quiet our hearts. We're going to bow our heads. We're going to close our eyes, and we're just going to be quiet. Jesus, you said that you placed your spirit inside us who are followers of yours. And so I pray that right now you would help us to pray in the spirit, that your spirit and our spirit would be able to communicate and be united and be one. And where we have gaps, you would fill them. Where we need cleansing, you would wash us. And where we need your power to overcome our weakness, Jesus, I pray that your spirit would come. And if you're in here and you aren't a follower of Jesus, you've never really talked to Jesus, well, today's a great day to start. It doesn't have to be complicated. It usually just sounds something like this, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. Jesus, please fill me with your spirit. And Jesus, please teach me your ways. And if you pray that, that is a prayer Jesus loves to answer. And you can begin the journey that Peter began as his life and heart and mind were transformed. And so many of us has, has happened as well. We're going to keep the same... Um, posture here, and they're going to lead us in a song. And this is a time for you to just really connect with the Lord and see what he might be saying to you. If you need to come up front and kneel, or if you need to come up front and get prayer, we'll have some people up here. But just stay in this space until David dismisses us after the song.